0: And I think a lot of times, um, the Instagram coaches will kind of say, well, this is, you know, they have to like, they they have all this emotion that's pent up and if they can't let it out, then you're going to damage your child. Mm. That's the, that's the premise. Yeah. Okay. Can I just tell you that is not true. Mm. That's very, very old psychology that says emotions are like a boiling pot and if you don't take the cover off is going to explode. No. The research shows that, especially with the aggression, that if the child vents the aggression, anybody, not just children, if they vent it, they actually become more angry. Okay, that interesting. That's what the research shows. Families with Dash offers a balanced parenting approach from generations of tried and true methods combined with research and insights
1: from today. I'm Amelia Murdoch, founder of Dash Into Learning, the popular education company and homeschool mom of four.
0: And I'm Joan Landis, licensed clinical mental health counselor, mom of seven adult children, and grandmother of 16 and counting. And I happen to be Amelia's mom. So what are we going to talk about? We want you to get the benefit of our decades of clinical experience and real life in the family trenches.
1: We offer unique and actionable insights about family life, marriage, and homeschooling.
0: Join us on Families
1: with Dash and become confident and happy parents. Hello, welcome to Families with Dash. We have a really great topic today that I think is relatable to every parent ever. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I'm going to let my mom introduce it.
0: Sure. It is how to stop the habit of yelling. Yes. Right. So you kind of have to understand that yelling has a lot of causes and a lot of harms, but a number of really good solutions. Hmm. So uh, first of all, let's talk about the harms of yelling. I mean, sometimes people think, oh my gosh, it's fine. I'm just blowing off some steam. Everyone's going to forget. And yet there's some interesting research about yelling at your children. And part of that is that yelling at your children habitually, and especially if it has demeaning or shaming content to it, can actually create anxiety and aggression in your children. So that, that's what the research shows. So we want to be careful about yelling at our children. It's probably not our best strategy. I think another uh, harm is that we see ourselves as yellers. We see ourselves as impatient parents Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's hard on us too. We don't want to be that kind of parent. Right. And so there really are harms all the way around. And so what we'd like to do is figure out other ways to deal with our stress and deal with our children rather than
1: yelling. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything. You feel so much better about yourself when you have some control and discipline Mm -hmm. over yourself. And I feel like yelling is always going to be,
0: feels like, because you've kind of lost some of that control. Right. Right. So as women, have you ever noticed that we're more sensitive to tone than like a lot of men, it seems like? You know, we'll say, oh my gosh, honey, you're so loud or you sounded mad. And the husband's like, "Um, no, I was just saying something. Mm-hmm. right?" And so think about how we're sensitive to tone. Well, children really are too. And we, as if we get into the yelling thing, the tone in our home is really not good. And so just think about how, we're sensitive to it and our children really, really are too. And sometimes, you know, we get kind of upset at our children's tone. They're whiny and everything. Well, they're like disrespectful. Yeah. And so really we have some things there that we need to improve too. And sometimes yelling is it. So now before we talk about it, I do want to make a distinction. There are differences between occasional yelling and habitual yelling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I grew up with, I did not have yellers for mm-hmm. my parents. I don't think I was a habitual yeller. I'm not, I know I was not a habitual yeller, yeah. but there's a difference between yelling to get attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, whoa, Hey guys. And yelling to shame or demean somebody. And so I grew up with the idea that said you really should not be yelling in your family unless the house is on fire. Yeah. So if you have that kind of if you have that kind of uh, paradigm, that sometimes can do a little reset button. It's like mm-hmm. why be yelling unless it's kind of a attention getter, like hey, we we really got to pay attention here. Go, you know? You're running into the road. Oh, you're going hit by a car. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And then the thing about
1: that is when you save it just for that, the kids will absolutely listen. No question. Like, Whoa, mom is yelling. This does not happen normally. I need to stop and listen. If they're desensitized to it, then what are you going to do if you're at a level 10? Every all a, day. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do
0: when there's a reason to be at level 10? Yeah, that is a super important insight is that w- children will get desensitized and they will start ignoring the yelling mm-hmm. and then you feel more helpless. So I love that you brought that up. That is really, really good. Just for me, shooting from the hip. I would kind of say that if you yell once a month to attract attention, I think that's probably okay. Mm. All right. But more than that, maybe we got to look at some other possibilities there. But occasionally it's like, hey, everybody, we're going to get in the car right now. Go. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything really bad about that. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the things that we want to also understand about yelling And this is actually true for corporal punishment too, really interesting, is that the cultural expectations moderate the effects. Mm. What does that mean? That means if you are in a culture where yelling is really common and it's normal, kids kind of have less effect. They're not as deeply affected by it. So they actually did a big study uh, on the NIH that included Italy. Um, along with other cultures, India and China and Thailand. And, 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 you know, the Italians do tend to be kind of loud. Mm, <laughs> and, sure. and they'll let you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the things are like, Muh. And, um, and so what they found is that if the children are in a culture where that is kind of accepted, that it doesn't make quite as much damage as if you come from a British culture where everything is very stiff upper lip and, you know, very calm and, and uh, restrained then yelling is like so shocking and appalling. So it's interesting. It, it is interesting. Now, it doesn't entirely make the effects go away, especially if there's shaming and things, but but that cultural piece is very important. And and in another con- podcast, we will talk about corporeal punishment yeah. and the cultural expectations around that and how that can actually uh, mitigate some of the effects. So let's talk about uh, the causes of yelling. There was uh, some research out of Sweden when Sweden basically outlawed um, corporal punishment, spanking of any kind, they found out that yelling increased. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And part of it was that parents were not equipped with some other good strategies. So they weren't able to, you know, swat the kid on the butt. And so now what do you do? Mm. So it turned into yelling. And I think there could be some of that happening in our culture now. People are trying not to spank. They're trying, you know, which is a good thing to. But they're not being given other tools. Exactly. And so, so it's really easy to say, okay, I'm really trying not to swat you on the tush. So I'm going to yell at you. So that could be one problem or one cause and, you know, kind of feeling powerless. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. Right. And you're not listening to me. Yeah. Um, This is the only way that I can get any reaction. Exactly. Exactly. Another cause is if you grew up in a family of yellers, you will tend to go to that as your default. And that's just how life is. Your family of origin has such a powerful influence on your behavior with your own family. And even if you grow up and you say, I'm never going to be like my mom, you'll find yourself mm-hmm. doing what yeah. your mom did. Sure. And so that is part of our opportunity is to repattern ourselves. Number one is to notice, oh, guess what? I slipped into those patterns. I don't want to do it. That's probably 50% of the, you know, the job there. Yeah, for sure. So if you're around people who yell, it's easy to uh, do that now. Feel like it's normal. Right. Yeah. Now, right now I have a a client, a couple that I'm working with, and the husband is a yeller and it devastates his wife. His wife has a lot of uh, core issues around safety and she did not grow up with yelling so see, she, her culture is not me, so moderating. Not right, right. It, it means like this is life and death to her. And so when he yells, he's like, well, it's not that big a deal. And she's like, yes, it is. And then he, a lot of times he's yelling at the children. Yeah. And then she starts getting super defensive and protective. And so it, it just makes a really bad uh, dynamic between those two. Because then he's like, well, you know, you're second guessing my parenting. And She's like, well, you're damaging my children. I'm not going to allow that. You can well, kind of see it. that should sure. go around and around. For right? sure. So he's done really great work about not yelling and uh, having uh, other ways to relate to his children. But it really can be a fallback, and it can be the default if that's where you have grown up.
2: Oh, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Another thing is if another cause is if you are chronically stressed. Oh, for sure, you know you're just at the end of your rope. You and and if you're chronically stressed we will externalize our distress, we'll blame others, we'll want to to offload that sense of responsibility on other people. And often that will be yelling.
2: Yeah,
1: it's just like the boiling over. It's just right, right
0: at the peak. Right, right. And so uh, we want to just understand that there are some causes for it. Um, so feeling powerless, modeling for other, from others that yell and being chronically stressed. So Let's talk, we've talked about the harms just briefly. Um, Let's talk about how to stop doing it, right? The cures. Okay. So basically we're attachment focused people. So that's always going to be your very best strategy is work on the relationship with your child. Now, the the thing about that is that you might say, how is working on the attachment with my child going to help my yelling? Mm. Oh, the other thing I forgot to tell you is, uh, this is why I was talking about those two clients.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, So they have noticed their children are starting to adopt the yelling. Mm. They yell at each other. They yell back at their parents. That is a documented effect. That's interesting. They will yell back at you. So let's nip this in the bud.
1: (laughs) Yes. You do not want that. Right. That just makes the whole tone in the house just
0: rise and rise. Right. 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 So uh, you want to strengthen the relationship with your children. You just always want to do that. That's kind of the go-to for almost everything. Because if you strengthen the relationship with your children, then just knowing that that you're a little disappointed Mm -hmm. can be enough of a motivation. It's not like, I don't care about you until you threaten me with high-pitched voice. And so that attachment will actually help your child be more sensitive to your desires and your requests. So that's always a really good one. It's just easier to guide them in general. Yes, right. much coach more coachable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Another one is to not be powerless. So we need to be able to use effective boundaries and discipline. And that's a, you know, that's a really, that's, that's something we could talk about for a long time and thank goodness we have some time yes. to talk about it. Yes. Okay. So number one on uh, using effective boundaries and discipline is number one is teach and train your children beforehand. Don't just catch them doing something wrong. Okay, this is just good proactive intentional parenting that if you notice there's certain things that if you notice there's certain things that trigger you, you know, it's like, wow, the messy room or whatever it is, the sassing or whatever. We'll talk about those later, but that you as a parent get to proactively sit with your child, have this discussion, talk about the harms, talk about how to solve the problem and practice it. Right.
1: Yeah. So I was just thinking about this thing happened to me. My we do like our family devotional in the evening and, you know, I have a four year old and a two year old. And we've always kind of been like, oh, we'll just let the two year old run around then it makes the 4-year-old run around and now even my 7-year-old is running around and i was just getting so annoyed mm-hmm. and it was just easy for me to lash out mm-hmm. and there's the middle of our supposed to be, you know, very <laughs> calm scripture study, right? That's supposed to be spirit connecting us and everything and i'm like this is not working. Mm-hmm. So, like you're saying, i was like i have to i have and you know, yelling, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. i was like i have to train them ahead of time. Mm-hmm how can I do this? So I made a plan with my husband. I was like, Hey, you need to support this. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do it right in the middle of the scripture study. And so I had them sit, each of them sat on a dollar. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I see the dollar, I don't, you don't get the dollar and you have to go straight to bed. You don't get to be here. (laughs) And they, and I said, if you get to the end, you get to keep the dollar and we can have ice cream. (laughs) So it was like major, major reward. And so they sat, so still on the dollar bills, just perfect. And we had the most calm and they had no feeling of needing to yell at yes, all. Yes. And it just totally solved, you yes. know, and it gave them an easier way to, to practice it right. because I, I made something fun. Right. Instead of just saying, cause it is kind of hard for a four year old and two year old to sit for mm-hmm. even five minutes.
0: So however, that can, it's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. It's a skill. Right. But you this is why we're doing this. Right. Right. An incremental skill. And I think it's a mistake for a lot of parents, especially the Instagram uh coaching, is oh, you know, a two year old does not have impulse control. Yeah, and sure. I'm like, No, that's not true.
2: Hmm.
0: Two year olds actually do have impulse control. You just are not giving them credit. So think about this. They don't poke themselves in the eye, do hmm. they? All right. Right? All right. They withstand that impulse. <laughs> right? They don't bite themselves on the tongue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. No, because it's a little uncomfortable, right? <laughs> you know, they don't fall off of uh, counters. You put them on a counter. A two-year-old, if you fall, put them on a counter, yeah. they yeah. don't dump themselves forward and hit their head. No, yeah. they resist that impulse. And so I think we as parents need to understand that that is actually a falsehood that two-year-olds cannot control their impulses. Yeah, They can't if you assume they can't, right. But if you assume, no, actually they control their impulses a lot and we can actually teach and train them. Yeah. And taking that time to incrementally right train them. Yeah. It's super,
1: but it takes planning and it takes, and I totally, I totally agree with this. And I, I've seen it with my kids in homeschool. You can see incrementally, Mm -hmm. they're getting a little better, a little better, a little better. And this is what we wanted to do for our scripture study. And so this is how it's going. And it's also illuminated my need to yell at them, but
0: we do keep it pretty short. Yeah. So. And see I was just going to say that don't overstress them when they're just developing this ability. Don't There's overface you. them, right? And the other thing too is um you can also, you know, like sometimes children don't sit in church, right? Yeah. And and so if you have so you practice at home a cue, you know, it's like okay, here's the word or here's this hand signal whatever, and here you are sitting on the on the chair and we're going to do it for we'll we'll do it for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then yay, yay, you know the big And then next time 25 seconds you even have a timer mm-hmm. and and then the child can see themselves as I'm able to do that yeah now that's a very important step in developing skills for your child to see themselves see if we just if we just shout out commands they're like I've never seen myself sit still I, I kind of don't maybe believe I can mm, that's interesting but but part of this training is an incremental training outside of the stressful situation is that they can see themselves as I am a person mm. that can sit. And so even outside of scriptures, you can practice on little chairs, have that little timer, have that little reward, whatever it is. And then they can start developing that.
1: Another time that I do that is before we do movie night, mm-hmm. I'll say, we everyone have to sit. Yes. Before we start the movie, it's not just like craziness and then you start on the movie. Everyone has to sit and I'll set a timer for three minutes. You say, everyone has to be perfectly quiet. Yes. And if it's not perfectly quiet, we don't get the movie, we have to start over. Yes. And that's, you know, right now, now my kids can just be like yep, dead silent. Yep. Yeah. So it's a good so, way to practice.
0: Yes. And you've seen me do that too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, okay, everybody has to be, so, so what I do as a grandma sometimes is, you know, it'll just be pandemonium and I'm like, no, 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 everyone's sitting up at the bar. Everyone's expecting food. Okay. St- start the timer. Everyone has to be perfectly quiet for, I mean, just 10 seconds, right? Yeah. For the little ones, it's really tough. Yeah. And then the little one, it, you know, has an impulse. What? I know. Oh, darn. Okay. We got to start over. And pretty soon they really get it. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to have the expectation and have some teaching and training and practice and then the reward and then, It gets better and better. But if if you just assume they have no impulse control and all I can do to get them to stop screaming is throw that ice cream in their bowl. We have a problem. Or yell in their face. Or yell in their face. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that you can do and we, is to acknowledge your child's strengths, because part of what happens is we start just looking for the bad things. We ignore the good things that your children are doing. And so if you can shift that paradigm, we, we had that podcast, that amazing podcast on strength-based motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can start looking for your child's strengths, what are they doing well? Yeah, And comment on them. That. that. That will actually help kind of balance out if there are times that you are still a little bit loud, it will help. Get that positive. Yes, that that ratio. ratio. Yes, yes. And it'll help your mind to start focusing on what they're doing well instead of just focusing on what you want to yell at them. Right, right. Another thing you can do uh, instead of yelling is to actually take action. Okay. So you are not disempowered. There's things you can do. Okay. And so my favorite thing to do if there's something going on and it needs to stop, okay, is to quickly. Quickly scoop up that child, quickly. I mean, and and we've talked about this in other podcasts. Part of the um, part of the um, effectiveness of this is kind of the uh, surprise. Yeah, it's like oh, what what just happened? I'm right. it's surprise I'm, more than pain. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Pain. Yeah, it's yeah. Surprise. No, it's surprise. Like, oh, I'm flying through the air, and you know, not being thrown, but carried. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we're out of here. And you know, you're very firm with them, and you're like, nope, this is not appropriate. You're carrying them out somewhere. And then, you know, you sit them down and you're not, you know, you're not particularly gentle. You sit them down firmly. Like that is not going to happen. Yeah. And that empowers you with a tool to take action rather than to stand there and yell from a distance. Mm. Again, you can't be sitting on the couch. See, yeah, it's easier be to lazy. just, right. You ha- it's easier to yell if you're just sitting on the couch, right? But you have to jump up and take that child out and then talk to them and be very firm. And then you can close with some validation and comfort. The nice thing about that is you get their attention, just like,
1: like yelling, you're trying to get their attention, mm-hmm. you get their attention. And then you can talk as quiet yes. as you want yes. and they'll be listening yes. because you just got their attention. Exactly. So I'll do that sometimes. And then I'll just whisper mm-hmm. very intensely and then they'll be more focused. I love that. So a whisper a lot of times will get more attention. And I've done that in groups too. When people are loud, I'll just whisper and they'll be like, what's mm-hmm, happening? That. So.
0: I love that. That's a, that's a lovely, cause it's the contrast. Yeah. 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 Well, oh, That's wonderful. Um, another one is to reward good behavior. You know, if you're really trying to change their behavior, right. Instead of adding the punishment, which is what yelling is. Yeah. Yelling is a punishment because it's adding a negative reinforcement. Yeah. Okay. So you are punishing your child by yelling. So don't think, oh no, I don't punish my children. I just yell actually from a psychological point of view, you have punished your children. Okay. Because punishment is adding negative reinforcement. It's really interesting. Um, And so instead of that, see if you can start rewarding the good behavior and you can reward it by, you know, verbal reward. Uh, There's, you know, there's, there's lots of things you can do. The other nice thing is you can also reward yourself, Mm. right? And, and we'll talk a little bit about that more, but, but you know, you need to be good to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Use strength-based motivation. We talked about that. We've got a whole podcast about that. Um, that's a very, very empowering way to affect your child's behavior. And then another one is sometimes instead of using the high volume, you can use big gestures. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> like your hands are like, ah, you know, like, like really pointing or. Or really loud clap.
2: Sometimes I'll yes. do really loud clap. Yes.
0: Yes. To yes. get attention. Right. And, um, that can be a good one too. And, you know, you don't want to use it all the time, but occasionally the big gestures can be very attention getting. Okay. So those are some, th- so th- those are some ex- actual, um, discipline, uh, strategies that you can use instead of, instead of yelling. An, an important thing is to know your triggers. Okay. There's certain things that are triggering to you and other things are like, nah, no problem. But there's certain things that Will always get a reaction from you. And if you can identify those, I've listed here a number of common ones. Um, these are ones that trigger me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So intentional cruelty. I am sorry. Like but if you see someone being intentionally yeah. Yeah. cruel to an animal or to a child, that will activate me faster than almost anything. In fact, just yesterday, I had a grandchild, a little one, a little, little two, oh, I guess a two and a half year old that was putting, uh, putting her weight against a cupboard that her older sister was trapped in and her older sister couldn't get out of the cupboard. And I was downstairs and I could hear that terror in that older sister's voice. Stuck. And I'm like, and that's how we create phobias (laughs) the rest of her life. She'll have trauma about that. And you should have seen me fly up the stairs and, you know, pick up that little two-year-old and carry her really fast away and say, this will not be happening. And it was cute because then the even older sister who is like uh, eight, she goes, grandmama, she's just a baby. And I'm like, no, no. babies can learn. That is not appropriate. (sighs) And um, so it was, that will activate me really, really fast is deliberate cruelty. And I know the two-year-old wasn't intentionally trying to be cruel, but it was a cruel effect to that little the girl inside mm-hmm, the cupboard mm-hmm. another one is disrespect is kind of that's a that's a trigger for me that activates me you know people sassing me mm-hmm. you know in my face oh hello mm-hmm. that is not going to be happening and we will put a stop to that one and but you use some of these other oh yeah tools and oh, not yeah. just yelling oh no yeah. oh no not yelling but very intent eyeball to eyeball right you know maybe pointing a finger and saying that will not be happening yeah And then we'll talk later. We'll process later about why and everything. But in the moment to stop that, nip that in the bud. See, I'm not a big fan of let your child act out, meltdown, tantrum until finally they're exhausted and then you try to talk them through it. See, I actually am not a fan of that. So like you wouldn't sit there and
1: validate their feelings, say, no, expressing your feelings. I understand this is hard, even though they're doing some of these things. Not
0: until they have settled down. Okay. Not until they have stopped that impulse to act out. And kids can learn that very fast. That you you stop the whining, you stop screaming and meltdown, you stop that. And then mom will process with you. Because here's the deal: if they're doing all this bad behavior and you sit there and you're trying to validate and process right there, number one, it's almost impossible. But number two is basically that is what a bribe looks like. Mm. Okay. A reward is. They get the good stuff after they've done the work, right? right? Which is settle down Mm -hmm. and we will process after you've gotten a grip on yourself. There's the reward. If you are processing with them and validating them and all that, giving them all that attention in the middle of their their bad behavior, you are trying to bribe them to change their behavior before they've done it. And I don't think most parents want to get into that pattern of bribing the child while they're doing pretty, you know, uncivilized things because that's not how the world works. Right. And I think it can so quickly become a habit of just how this is how I
1: react and this is what mom does. Yep. And instead of learning the habit of controlling. Right. That impulse. These impulses. That's right. And the problem is that when you become bribing and compromising and Mm -hmm. talking so much for me, that becomes so exhausting exhausting that I end up yelling that's right because I'm so upset and exhausted and annoyed that it's right. not really working right. right so I think that can be a lot of reasons parents be like their last thing is yelling because they've done
0: all this other right. talking they're exhausted. nicely and they're it's exhausted. not right working right yeah I do not that's not how I uh see effective parenting at all number one it is exhausting number one number two you could only have like two kids Right? right? Because processing time talking. Right. And number three, you're teaching them that's how the world works. Well, that's not how the world works. Right. Okay. The world does not work that way. What their obligation is to become civilized, lovely beings is to learn to control those impulses and be able to package their concerns in ways that we can talk about it. And and that I can be so comforting. I can take them in my arms, comfort them, soothe them, no problem. Okay. But it will not be happening while they are lashing out, melting down. It's like, no, no, nope, not happening. And it's interesting because I can actually do that with a two-year-old. Yeah. I, it doesn't take too many days to train a two-year-old that the massive meltdowns are not acceptable. And you can let me know that there's something wrong, right? That's fine. You can cry. You can be upset. But the massive tantrums, do you, do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I've had seven children, and I've never had, and even a set of twin boys. Yeah. And I, ne- none of them ever had the habit of the massive meltdowns, the massive tantrums, the sassing.
1: The- yeah. The dis. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, the disrespect, where you're like, oh. "Oh, well, just tell me how you're feeling," and they're in the middle of right, right. The Being, talking I hate back to you, you. Right. I hate, right. Yeah, it's no, like, no. 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 Yeah. That's the kind of stuff. Right. That
0: and you're it, talking and, about. And like, like what you were saying, it just becomes a habit. Yeah. Okay. It's how they react because it's a habit. It's just a habit. And I think a lot of times um, the Instagram coaches will kind of say, well, this is, you know, they have to like, they, they have all this emotion that's pent up. And if they can't let it out, then you're going to damage your child. Mm. That's the that's that, the so premise. Yeah. Okay. Can I just tell you that is not true. Mm. That's very, very old psychology that says emotions are like a boiling pot. And if you don't take the cover off, it's going to explode. No. The research shows that, especially with the aggression, that if the child vents the aggression, anybody, not just children, if they vent it, they actually become more angry. Okay, That's interesting. That's what the research shows. We used to, in the 60s, you know, say, oh, give them a pillow and they can punch the pillow. Right? They're upset. No. Yeah. No. The research shows, no, it makes them angrier.
1: Well, you think about like, if I get to the point where I, where I start yelling, right, it doesn't just, oh, now I can stop. No, right. I usually keep yelling. Building. I'm like on a roll. I'm right. like, oh, if I'm already doing this. I already
0: feel this anger. I'm exactly. just going to keep going, keep going. And it's like, exactly. I don't think it helps anything. No. And so, so I like the, I like the image that says, yes, you know, y- your emotions are boiling. Mm. Okay. But the best way to dissipate that is not to take the um you know not to vent it and have it boiling all over the stove that's not the best way to take care of it the best way is to turn down the heat turn, the heat. turn down the heat and how do we do that you know mm-hmm. that's that's what therapists can do that's what coaches can do um but that's that's really a much better metaphor and so with a child we don't want to um encourage them to just boil over Uh, We want to encourage them to, uh, okay, contain that impulse, right? You're going to put the lid on for just a minute and now we'll turn down the heat by talking it out. But I'm not going to allow you to have boiling water all over our family. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
0: not appropriate. In fact, it's somewhat abusive,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: okay? And it teaches the child that to be a bit of a narcissist, Mm -hmm. my feelings trump everybody else's feelings. Certainly trumps my mother's feelings. Right. And, and it's, it develops a narcissistic personality and it's not good. And I personally think one of the reasons that we are seeing, you know, in these younger generations, so much problem with behavior at school and other places is they have not had any practice controlling their impulses. And they have this idea that my feelings are the most important thing and it trumps everything else. Mm. Well, no, it doesn't. But that's kind of the what we hear from the Instagrammers. And I think it's profoundly damaging to parents. They feel helpless, frustrated, exhausted. The children are horribly difficult to deal with. And it just makes it hard. And then, you know, you get a family gatherings and the Instagrammers will tell you kind of to diss your mother-in-law. Oh, you know, you know, your mother-in-law is like, why don't you do something about your child's tantrum? Oh no, I'm an enlightened parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I let my, and I'm like, Oh, wow. This is now a second generation. Now you're dissing your mother-in-law or your mom. Right. It's listen. And it's, it doesn't mean that
2: you're
1: not comforting and right. understanding and feeling. It's just after the timing of it. Right. And how um, you're teaching your child to respond. Right. Basically. Right. And control those impulses. Right. Right. So it's not like, oh, I'm an unfeeling parent. I don't care about their feelings. Right. No.
0: It's just saying there's a certain order of go here. And I'll see so many of
1: these that we're talking about, this kind of, what is it? Like the trendy parenting, basically, I don't know, that posts and that'll say like, just let the kids react Mm -hmm. and you just be there for Mm -hmm. them. And the comments are just like, well, what about when my kid never, they just keep doing it. Right. What, am I, what do or I they, do? They
0: escalate. Yeah. What they if start it gets, damaging property.
1: Exactly. It gets worse. And what do right, I do? And right. I'm like, yeah, there's so many frustrated parents where it's right. just not working.
0: Well, and the, what I think is funny is if you actually read the responses to that, they basically start holding boundaries. Yeah. Okay. That's what but, they, it, but it's after 20 minutes of meltdown. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to hold the boundary eventually anyway, mm. you are going to take them out of that situation. You are mm. going, right. Well, just do it at the get go. Yeah. Why, why go through all that hassle? Yeah. Right. Because, because it, emotions are not something that need to be vented, okay? They need to be processed later. But until they can, you know, get their prefrontal cortex online and say, oh, okay, I can't give in to all that, you can't process. Yeah, for sure. So you're just delaying this. But the child themselves see themselves as out of control. It just has never made sense to me. I'm like, have you
1: ever tried to talk to a screaming four-year-old? No. I mean, they're not going to understand anything.
0: No. And so again, this idea of their self-concept, if you allow that habit, they see themselves as someone who melts down, who tantrums, who does all these bad behaviors. They see themselves as, well, that's just who I am. It's like their identity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a disservice for a parent to, to have that child feel that way. Yeah. That is not good parenting. It's a really good point. So I, yeah, we kind of got into the uh, tall weeds today, didn't we?
1: It's but, good though. It's good though, because I think a lot of that, the yelling comes from
0: right these tools that are just not working. They're not working. And so we're just trying to help Right. with that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another one, disobedience, laziness, dishonesty. Yeah. Those are things that can be a little activating for you. And and I'm not saying that gives you an excuse, but if you can start noticing the things that seem to be particularly hard for you, then you want to address that with your children. Mm. You want to do some teaching and training ahead of time yeah. because you know that eh, that's a little hard on me. And then on the other hand, there's things you can do for yourself. And that's, that's kind of more therapeutic, you know, as far as addressing your thoughts that you tell yourself, the interpretations, your cognitions, that's kind of another podcast, but there are things that you as a mom or a parent can do for yourself. So the triggers aren't so right. Bad, yeah. Uh, another thing you want to do is you want to watch other people who communicate without yelling and use them as your new role models. Yeah. I had a, someone I worked with
1: a, other children and she would do the whisper thing mm-hmm. in a group of 50 mm-hmm. kids who were all very loud. She mm-hmm. would just start whispering and everyone would stop. She Love would get it. low. She would like kneel down. And whisper, just like the opposite of what you would think right. to do, and it was amazing how the kids were just like, "What's happening?" So, so useful. It's like a tool that I learned
0: from so watching someone yeah, else, watching someone else, right? Yeah. So useful. I love that. Another one is as you're trying to break this habit, go ahead and role play. you know, role play with your husband, role play with your children, role play. That's a good idea, and that helps your uh, brain to learn it with a different modality than just reading about it or thinking about it. So practice in the moment. Another thing you can do is um, to envision yourself. Mm. Okay, this is very, very powerful. You know, musicians and athletes have known this for decades. You can only practice piano so much before the nail beds start bleeding. (laughs) And you can only, you know, run and catch so many passes before your body's going to break down. Yeah. So they've known for decades that envisioning, um, closing your eyes, getting yourself a little relaxed, and envisioning the process that you want to have happen actually helps the uh, response that you'll have in the moment. Mm, That's cool. So what you do is you imagine the things that are particularly, you know, activating for you and you imagine yourself dealing with it calmly, lovingly, firmly, and having a really good outcome. And that will help you in the moment. If the house is all cluttered, I
1: know a lot of women say they feel anxious and yelling when the house is a mess. How would you,
0: you would envision
1: yourself cleaning it or do you envision yourself just being okay with it
0: messy? No, no, neither one. I would envision myself like walking in, seeing the big mess and going, huh, okay, well, this is not the end of the world or now this is part of the thinking and cognitions that is actually a therapeutic process, which, Hey, we'll do a podcast. I've got videos (laughs) on this, but, um, you know, you replace those, the thought because I guarantee you, there's a thought that said, these lazy kids or this is a disaster if my mother-in-law sees this Mm -hmm. or I'm going to hurt myself. You know, you have a negative thought about it. And that's what's activating the negative behavior, the negative emotion, right? The anger, the frustration. So if you replace those thoughts, so what you can do is you imagine yourself walking in and then having different new thoughts. The thought might be, you know what? I'm so thankful that my children are healthy enough and creative enough to have toys and be creative and messy. That's how it is. I'm so thankful that my children are, haven't been watching TV all day, yeah. you know, something like that. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm in a different emotional place now. And then you imagine yourself going to your children, you know, wrapping your arms around them saying, I love you so much. There's so many great things you do. And I notice different places where you are very careful about putting things away. I notice that. And let's see if we can do some of that right here, right now. And let's help each other. Right? Yeah. Completely different dynamic. For sure. Yeah. So that, so envisioning can help you, envisioning can help you so that you actually are able to do that in the moment. Yeah, that's it, so good. It does take yeah. practice. Be a little patient with it. Um, another one is to take action instead of just spouting threats. Threats. Is, yeah. Yeah. Threats are, you know, so that's, uh, you can threaten and not yell, right? So threats yeah. are kind of a different, different animal, but a lot of times we do yell threats. threat. Yeah. You know? If you don't get out here right now, you're going to, right. So think in terms of taking action instead of spouting the threat. So the favorite one I did with my kids, not very often, was I'm like, okay, time to get up, guys. And I get ignored. <laughs> and um, so kind of the rule in my house, not all the times, but for a lot of it was, okay, I've asked you with my mouth mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be asking you with my hands you're not going to like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and you wouldn't know what that meant. You'd be yeah, like, what, what, is that, what, what does, does that, that mean? <laughs> right. And so it is a little bit of a threat. Right. <laughs> but so I would ask, and then if I got ignored, I would just go in and start pulling on the sh- sheets and blankets and just pull those blankets off. Mm-hmm. And I think one time it, the, the child was on a blanket and I pulled it and they're like, "Ah, mom, I'm going to fall off. <laughs> and I'm like, and now you're awake.
2: <laughs> um,
0: and, and so that's just an example of taking action rather than threats. Another thing that I did only once, um, or kids that had not done their dishes, I didn't say anything about the dishes, you know, I just put them away dirty. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner the next day, oh, the passive aggressive. Yep. <laughs> I set out the dirty dishes. Mine weren't dirty, but theirs were dirty. And they're like, ew mom. And I'm like, yep, that's right. We need to actually, right? And so sometimes taking action is a lovely way to get the message across without yelling. Now, I'm not saying that it isn't good to um, talk to them about it, but occasionally just having that action, it's a very experiential way of learning, mm-hmm. right? Very effective. Your brain really records those experiences more than just, man. Nah, nah, da nah,
1: nah, nah, nah. like, well, It's kind of like, you're going to yell at your kid to put their shoes on. They don't mm-hmm. want to put their shoes on. Mm-hmm. Or you could just say, fine, I don't wear your shoes. Mm-hmm. And then they're freezing cold. Mm-hmm. And then they get their shoes. Right. Like, right.
0: Another one is to make sure you de-stress. What yeah, you, what do you, what like do this, you? Is, this yeah. is
1: one of the biggest ones yeah. for me. me.
0: What do you do? Um, so I have
1: to go on a daily walk outside. Like if I don't get my walk, it's like major. Mm-hmm. And even if it's 15, you know, it doesn't have to be an hour. Right. And it's 15 minutes by myself. Mm hmm outside in the sun in the sunshine Mm -hmm. I usually like to do in the morning like Mm -hmm. if I don't get that that's a huge deal Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my self-care and then also making sure that at some point I get a little bit of alone time to work on something that I want to work on yes so if I can just see like, hey, I'm going to get 45 minutes tonight at eight o'clock. I know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't have to stress about like wanting to get this stuff done, but there's all these kids around. So kind of looking forward to that just time to do something for myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: is
2: helpful.
0: Right. So it's kind of my two big mm-hmm. things. Yeah. No, that sounds, that sounds really, really great. Yeah. Everybody will have the things that mean something to them. Yeah. And sometimes a warm bath. Yeah. Um, sometimes just. You know, that little bit of alone time, music. I mean, there's just a billion things, but yeah. but notice what helps you. Absolutely. What helps yeah, you sleep. to de-stress, right? It, it might even be once in a while, just, you know, getting away with the girls for a few hours or, mm. you know, just having a little break sometimes. Yeah. So that can help. Whatever works for you. Make a list and do it every day. Yes. I think having too much on your
1: schedule, I feel like... Trying to reduce some of that really helps me. Yes. I think also when I'm at like a level, a really upset level, sometimes mm-hmm. I just have to take myself in a different room and be like, what is going on? Yeah. There's usually something. What do I need? And most mm-hmm. of the time it's like, I need a nap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everybody go watch a movie. <laughs> I need a nap. Like if it's at that level. Right. So that's helpful for me.
0: Yeah. So, so you can take a timeout or put yourself in timeout and that's actually really useful. That's a good one, and also with self care, uh, be really mindful. I know it, it's easy to say, you know, eat healthy, but honestly, mm-hmm. it's huge. Mm-hmm. And the you know, and, and your children too. Yeah. Um, if they're living on Fruit Loops, it's they're going to react differently, and your body's going to react differently too to stress. And yeah. so, see if you can eat the you know the healthy meats and the vegetables and the more home cooked meals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much refined carbs and not as much sugar for sure. So another one you can do is enroll your family in a game to keep you accountable and Mm. keep a chart. So kids are really good at this. They'll call you out. So my husband does this. He does math with the
1: girls and sometimes he gets frustrated with math. And so he has a chart for them. They get a sticker if they stay focused. And then if he yells, (laughs) then they get a, put a sticker on his chart and they're bad stickers. So if he, (laughs) so they get to just get up and go put a sticker on. And if he gets a certain amount of stickers, then I can't remember what it is. They have to, he has to do something for them. Yeah. So they
0: keep him accountable and it's worked really, really well. Yeah. Kids are really good about that. And it empowers your children Mm -hmm. and it helps teach your children. Mm -hmm. It teaches them a lot. It's like mom's making change. And mom and dad are trying to make changes and that, That's great. That's part of being human. Make these goals. Yes. And things. Yes. We can do a little better. It's really cool. So enroll them in some kind of a game. Uh, Yeah. Simplify your schedule to reduce pressure. You already talked about that. Um, Change your thoughts about the situation. We just briefly touched on that. Yeah. That's a whole podcast. Yeah. Um, Make a list of pros and cons about yelling because there's some payoff. You know, you're like, well, I get everybody's attention. They snap to attention. They start cleaning the, the house. Right. But make a list of the cons. Yeah. And that may really help you get a little motivation.
1: I mean, what would you do when you're, this is all kind of like stuff you do before.
0: Uh huh. What would you do when you're in the middle of yelling? Right. What would okay. You do? So what, what I would want to have happen is in the middle of yelling, I would want to go, whoa, whoa, sorry, guys. I don't want to be that kind of mom. I'm really sorry. <sighs> Let me take a big breath. I love you. I'm trying to learn some different things. Yeah. I make mistakes too. I still love you when you make mistakes. I hope you still love me when I make mistakes. I'm trying to do a little better. Let's do a little better. And you know, that in itself might be an amazing attention getter. Yeah, that's a good point. It really might. And they learn so much from that. Yes. Yes. So I like that. It's a great question. Maybe determine why you got into this pattern. Oh, my mom was a yeller. Oh, my. Then have some self-compassion for it. Don't beat yourself up. Go, oh, okay. That's where this comes from. Yeah,
2: I can understand.
0: And now we'll move forward. And sometimes
1: I feel like I feel like yelling when it's like overstimulation, Mm -hmm. like the dog's barking, there's music on, the kids are doing something crazy. And it's not like there's anything really bad happening, but it's just like too Too much much. sensory overload. And so I'll be like, okay, we need to have very calm music Mm -hmm. on. The kids just need to go downstairs, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, just try and minimize the sensory overload. Right. And it gives us a sense of what it can be for children too. Yeah. You know, it can really overwhelm children too. Now talk about reparenting your inner child through journaling and visualization. Again, this is more of a little more of a therapeutic process, but if you understand where this yelling came from, like maybe your parents were yelling. Yeah. Then part of what you can do to kind of heal that instead of just replicate that trauma to actually heal it is this is visualization and you get a picture of yourself at about that age Mm. and you keep it by your bed at night and every night you look at that little picture Mm. and you love that little girl or that little boy and you say you know what you didn't deserve the yelling you're a good person you're a good child and then what you do is you carefully reimagine the whole thing you Mm. imagine the bad stuff happening the Mm. parent that's yelling at you and then you imagine the ending that you needed -hmm. And you imagine it as clearly as you can. Use all five senses. What am I seeing, smelling, feeling, hearing? You know, what am I dressed in? What are my? What's my parent dressed in? Where Where are we? And then you imagine the ending you needed. That parent stopping right in the moment and apologizing and scooping you up in their arms and comforting you and saying, "I want to do better." That's the ending you needed. Mm -hmm. You needed to feel like I deserve that. And if you do that every night for a couple of weeks. It's the craziest thing. It's like your prefrontal cortex knows that never really happened. Mm-hmm. The trauma parts of your brain, that limbic system feels better. It's cool. It is really a powerful little really technique. Cool. And so you can do some of that reparenting about if, if you found that, oh, this, what this happened to me and this is why I do this. It'll help calm and heal that part of you. And you can also journal about it too. Mm. Write in journals. This is what happened. This is how I felt. This is what I needed. Right. And this is how I want to be for my children. Right. Yeah. Not, re- not. And again, that brings us to the next thing of be a chain breaker. Mm. Yeah, Don't just perpetuate that, the, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not saying your parents were necessarily bad. Okay. They were probably doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah. And you can do a little better. Mm. And guess what? Your children will look at you and go, mom, dad, mm-hmm. you weren't that great. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, I know we did the best you could with what we had. You do a little better. Yeah. And that's the goal. You can keep an incident chart. That's kind of like that sticker chart and set a goal to do a little better. Another one that's very imp- important is praying or meditating before the day starts. Mm, yeah. Because think about it. Praying is actually a method of visualization. Right. So is meditation if you want to use it that way. And so you ev- envision your day. Envision the tough spots that might come up. Envision yourself handling it with grace. Mm. Envision yourself being very loving instead of yelling. Yeah. And that, and then you know, if you're a person of faith, you ask God to help you. And not only just ask in the morning, but when I've got clients who have faith and they're working on something, I'm like, Hey, set a timer on your phone and you are praying every two hours. Yep. You know, God get me through the next two hours. That's yeah. all I'm asking. I'm committing on my part. Yeah. And if you can do your part, we're going to be okay. And you'll be surprised how strengthening that is. If you are a person of faith. Uh, another thing that can happen is you might have underlying resentment about your life situation and just these little incidents just kind of, you know, set you off. Yeah. But there may be some general resentment. It's like, wow, I do not like being a single mom. This yeah. is tough. Yeah. I don't like I'm in a marriage this tough and I'm kind of taking it out on my kids. It's um, like I don't like working all day and not being around right, my kids, but this right, is how it is. And- right. Right. I feel poverty stricken I've mm. got a lot of economic stress right now with inflation a lot of families are feeling that and so you could have just underlying stress or even resentment about your situation and it just kind of boils over onto your children and so if that's true get in with a professional and process it yeah. what is going on here or at least talk to a good friend about it yeah we talked about not thinking of your emotions as something that needs to be vented yeah but instead something that needs to be turned down. Very important concept. I think, it, yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Also, if you have a lot of negative thoughts that are kind of driving you nuts, write them down. And especially if you're yelling, if you can kind of later say, what were the thoughts? What did I tell myself before mm-hmm. I started yelling? You know, those negative thinking. Then what you do, you write those down and see if you can brainstorm some thought replacements. Mm. So we kind of went through that, you know, a, a while, a few minutes back about the toys in the, in the room. But that's an example of it. Instead of saying these are lazy, selfish kids that don't care about their toys or, you know, that you say, hey, instead, they're creative. They're not on screens. They're healthy. Right. That's, sure. it. that's an example. For and sure. then what you do is you take those thoughts and you're going to do more than just put it on a sticky note. Um, but you could get to repattern your brain through. There's a lot of different methods, but one of them is envisioning.
2: Mm.
0: Take yourself in a timeout. Oh, here's a good one. Do slow exhalation breathing.
2: Mm.
0: Now, this is the thing that most internet coaches do not know. And that is that it is not just breathing that helps you. Mm. Okay. You've got two nervous systems. You've got a sympathetic and a parasympathetic. Mm. Okay. Nervous system. The sympathetic is like, putting on the gas makes your heart beat fast, your pupils dilate, you start sweating, your breath goes, right? And you start trembling because you're ready to your body's preparing you for fight or flight. That's the sympathetic nervous system. Parasympathetic nervous system is the one that puts the brakes on, you know, your heartbeat goes down, you stop sweating, you can start digesting again, you're calmer, right? Okay. But here's the key, breathing. Just breathing can actually activate your sympathetic nervous system and make you more triggered. So if you're going, right? That's interesting. Right? So it's not just breathing. Okay. It's the long, slow exhalation breathing that activates your parasympathetic system. So think about this. If you breathe like this, you just activated the gas. Mm -hmm. But if you go like this,
2: Uh
0: You can just feel it. Yeah. Okay, it's like, oh, there's the, there's a, down. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you have to, if you're going to use the breathing to help moderate the emotional effects of your thinking, which is fine, make sure you're doing the right kind of breathing.
2: It's
0: mm. so a long, slow exhalation breathing. You don't do the big inhales <gasps> like that. Mm. Does that yeah, make sense? Cool. Okay. Super important. You can always count to 20 slowly. What that does is that just distracts you. From the emotional piece. That's just your prefrontal cortex getting activated. Count backwards from 20 if you want to really do it a little bit better. That can be a nice little.
1: One of the things I do is I'll just stop and be like, I'll focus on like my hands. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, or I'll like touch my legs Mm -hmm. and just kind of focus on a different part of my body. Mm -hmm. Then whatever's happening Yes. Inside. Emotions. Right. I don't know what it's called, but grounding. I like feel. It's called,
0: called grounding exercises. Right. Exercise. So I'll feel
1: my feet. hmm I'll feel my hands. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like grabbing the fridge, I'll right. squeeze it.
0: Right. And that helps me. Right. Grounding exercises. Right. Some people uh, have something that they can smell mm. and that helps them connect with, you know, something other than their emotion. Yeah. Right. So I love that. But I think it's like why just walking outside, it'll change your whole visual, everything, mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. also help. Right, leave the situation. Yeah. Another thing you can do physically is do anything that will, and this is, this really uh, segues from what you just said, do something that activates your body. Mm, yeah. Um, so you can splash cold water on your face. You can do push-ups. You can jog in place. Uh, you can go outside for a walk. Pet your dog. That's a really good one. Pet mm-hmm. your dog. Um,
1: yeah, I heard someone say like, you can either be upset and kick your dog, or you can be upset and choose to pet the dog. Yes. And you're going to feel so much better and it's yes. going to help you much more if you just I... choose to
0: pet the dog. <laughs> the best. That is the best. Okay. So that's, a, that's of the main thoughts that we had today. I think you'll find that the list of actual interventions that you can do here on this podcast were much more than anything you're going to get on Google. Mm. I've Googled it and mm-hmm. I'm like, there's only three things here. Take yourself into timeout, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's so many things we can do. So we hope you can.
1: Yeah. And addressing some of those underlying things is so effective for this. And we just really hope that this can be helpful. And I think this is a really important topic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and something we can all work on, I think. Right.
0: Right. And just a lot of really actionable ideas. All in one pocket. Yep, so good. Gives us ideas
1: for <laughs> more because so many things we could do. Okay, thanks for joining us. We'll yes. see you next week. All
0: right, bye.
1: Find more from us at dashintolearning.com for all things educational and learn more about Dash into Happy, our family-friendly, social-emotional learning program. Thanks for being part of Families with Dash.
0: Disclaimer, the information and advice posted on the Dash Into Learning, Dash Into Happy, and Into Happy sites and podcasts. It's for educational purposes only and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional, medical, legal, or other professional assistance. Call your medical or mental health professional or 911 for all emergencies. Joan Landis, Amelia Murdoch are not liable for any advice or information provided on the account Dash Into Happy, Dash Into Learning, Families With Dash, or Into Happy.